Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings. We're back again, the Nonprofit Exchange. Hugh Ballou and Russell David Dennis. Russell, how are you today? Greetings and salutations. It's a beautiful day here out in the Mountain West. And in Virginia, it's lovely. And we have uh, our guest is from the uh, Toronto, Canada area. Lovely place. Love, I just love Toronto. It's a clean, it's, it's like a clean New York City. It's got all of the great <laughs> stuff and it's clean. <laughs> it's got great people there. So I, I love going north of the border. So Russell, <clears throat> why don't you tell people who our guest is and what his sweet spot is, and then um, he's going to introduce himself. Well, greetings. Today, we have a real treat from you. We have imported some brilliance from the, our neighbors to the north up in Canada. We have James Burgess, founder of Focus 31. He is a master business strategist who works with small companies, uh, one in the $25 million in revenues to help them get out of their own way by focusing on the right things, creating the right systems. He's done all sorts of work with both uh, businesses, profit-making businesses, not-for-profit entities, and is well-known throughout uh, Canada to both business, uh, profit-making businesses and nonprofits through many associations that he's made presentations to. James, welcome. Why don't you tell our friends on Facebook and here in Zoom uh, a little bit about yourself? Well, thank you, gentlemen. It is absolutely delightful uh, to be with you this afternoon or this morning, depending on, I guess, how far west uh, your audience reaches. I, I would like to start before I introduce myself to dispel the rumors that Canadians all live in igloos. Uh, today, it is equally gorgeous without the uh, thin air that Denver has. Uh, it is about 77 degrees, clear blue skies, and we're headed uh, probably for about 82 by the weekend. And yes, I live in a house, as you can see by the walls behind me. But I say that all in fun. Uh, but every time I get to educate uh, on what Canada is all about, uh, I take the opportunity. It's a pleasure to meet all of your uh, listeners, uh, virtually, of course. Uh, my name is James Burgess. I, I'm a speaker. I'm the author of the international best-selling book, Chaos, How Business Leaders Can Master the Power of Focus. And I'll give everyone an opportunity to get a free copy of this book at the end of the podcast, so please stay on. And I'm the founder of Focus 31, a, uh, a business that sells uh, a, a service that no business owner wants, and yet we do it extremely successfully. Every business owner I sit down with or passes a table where my book is sitting on it says, yep, that's me. My business is in chaos and I need focus. And whenever they say focus, I know what they also need to be saying is I need accountability. And that as, is entirely what Focus 31 does. Uh, I act or my team act as virtual CEOs uh, for small businesses, as you indicated, from startup to up to $25 million in revenue. And in the past, we have worked often with not-for-profits to get them understanding just what it is they want to do, how they're going to, actually, where they want to get to, how they're going to get there, and then hold their feet to the fire, not in Tony Robbins kind of way, but 
holding them feet to the fire uh, to ensure they in fact enact, implement uh, the game plan that will get them to that new platform of success. Brilliant, yeah. Uh, you know, I gotta get you guys up here to huff some of this thin air. It'll keep you <laughs> laughing and smiling. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, you talked about focus, you know, and so, you work not only with business leaders, but a lot of nonprofits. So what are some of the ways that uh, a lack of focus has uh, held nonprofits and businesses back that you've observed? Great question. And, and I will share with everybody that I, I do speak at extremes to make a point. Something's never as bad as I make it sound, but neither is as good as I may make it sound. Typically, you know, majority of businesses are not for profits are right down the middle uh, but I do make a point by exaggerating my point so I'll start as a, that's my premise with everything I say here today what is the impact of chaos on not-for-profits I, I have to believe that typically if they aren't clearly in control of their organization if they don't have a clear understanding of where they want to get to and how they're going to get there and have a system in place to actually enact the game plan, then they go nowhere. They remain stuck. They don't build more contribution or revenues, however you want to refer to it. Uh, they're not able to uh, serve their, uh, their clientele more than they did yesterday. Um, and the, 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 uh, and typically, there's a, sorry, there's a lot of disappointment within the organization, wondering why, why is this happening? What is it about what we're doing that isn't getting us what we want to do? Because there's lofty goals. And, but the thing is, like, I, I meet a lot of, especially in the small business, I meet a lot of coaches and, and, not for, and naturopathic doctors, and they hold the same kind of uh, mindset that not-for-profits do. Uh, we don't want to talk about money. We want to save, and I'm, I'm, again, I'm exaggerating. We want to save the world. Well, that's all well and good, but at the end of the day, Bill Gates can save the world far better than the rest of us can because he got focused on money first, made incredible strides in building an incredible company so that now he has the financial resources to give it all away where he chooses to. The not-for-profits I've spoken to, and I've done it a number of times when I get in front of them, and I start talking about setting a set of objectives, financial targets for the year. I just feel the shudder, the absolute shudder in the room because nobody wants to talk about getting money. But at the end of the day, it's the money that allows you to expand your services and to serve more people. And uh, you've got to get down to understanding that businesses are successful because at the core is yes, customers and employees, but we serve our customers and pay our employees better when we're earning revenue, not when we're thinking about saving the world. With all love and affection for every single not-for-profit association that's out there. Well, saving the world costs a little bit of money. It takes an investment. And, and our good friend, Dr. David Gruder, a Hughes twin out on the West Coast, uh, talks a lot about our relationships with money. And you work with countless business owners and nonprofit leaders. 
What are some of the most common features that you find in, with their relationships with money uh, when you start a conversation with them? Yeah, it, 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 the core of our system to get focused and accountable is, as I said, something no business planning, no business owner or not-for-profit wants, and that's business, a business plan. Everybody, again, they, everybody starts walking out of the room every time I start talking about the fact that I'm going to talk about business planning. But the really cool thing about our system is it's not 25 pages. It won't cost you $25,000 to create a really what is a marketing document to share with your constituency uh, to, to celebrate what you did well and to, you know, to take a couple of pages to show the financial results and talk about uh, strategy upon strategy that takes you know, five pages each to express a single strategy. Our system for business planning is really, really easy. It's really fast and therefore makes it practical for the, for the managing directors to actually put into use day in and day out. We, we write strategies, Russ, not in five pages, but in 100 characters. We write a strategy in less content than it takes a tweet if you can believe that, an entire strategy in less than 100 characters. It's phenomenal. And it gets you tight on what you're proposing to do and how you're going to do it and gives you something you can actually implement. And I apologize because in that background, I actually lost sight of the original, you know, the full question that you had for me. So if you wouldn't mind repeating it for me. Oh, well, what are some of the, you know, a lot of nonprofit leaders and uh, business executives come in and they have a relationship with money right. that's not the best. So what, what is the typical type of relationship with the average person that comes to talk to you, whether it's a for-profit leader or non-profit leader, what are you finding that, that their relationship with money is when, when they walk through your door for the first time? I guess in quotations, it's a necessary evil. Um, again, just because of the mindset uh, of, of this overwhelming desire to serve more people, which I think is absolutely fantastic. But until you connect with where's the money coming from, how are you spending it? What's your marketing plan? Every business has a marketing plan and it may be social media, uh, it may be print, it may be sign, whatever it is, it's all got to be linked and consistent and you've got to be prepared to spend money on the resources to make money. And that's, you know, businesses have a hard time understanding make money to, to earn money. Not-for-profits, I think it's tenfold uh, that much more difficult to understand that I will get more contribution uh, by spending money on making sure people know who we are and where we are. Um, if you're not investing in the systems needed, for a strong marketing implementation, then your business is effectively a billboard in the middle of the desert beside a gas station that's been closed down for 100 years and nobody's going past you. They don't know you exist. Again, I exaggerate to make a point that obviously your not-for-profits are operational. They have clients. They have contributors. Um, but we, we have to be focused in on day after day, week after week after week, how are we going to get more contributions? How are we going to, and, and, uh, and more contributors? And how are we going to use those funds cost-effectively to draw in 
more people that we can serve with those monies. And, and so it's just a generally a, a, a failure to connect with what's needed to move the business forward instead of remaining in the status quo. Because if you remain in status quo, you're actually already in decline. You just don't know it. Businesses and not-for-profits cannot stand still. You must be moving forward every single week, developing new ideas, implementing, testing, measuring, determining what's working. Because if you're standing still thinking everything's okay, you're wrong. You're already losing market share. You just don't know it yet because it hasn't shown up. Well, you know, it takes planning to come up with money. It takes planning to figure out how to deliver those services. So uh, I have a feeling about it, but I was wondering what your feeling is. Uh, is there a natural resistance to planning? And what are the top three reasons for that resistance? Yeah, absolutely. As I said, we sell something nobody wants. And it's because there's a we. As you know, the school system does not teach us about starting a business. Uh, colleges don't do much of a job around entrepreneurship. Universities definitely not. Uh, at the end of the day, it's the school of hard knocks, as we're all very familiar with as entrepreneurs. And the same applies for not for profits. Managing directors um, have grown have, have grown up in the education system that doesn't talk about how I grow my business, and. Um, Along the way, somehow we get influenced by the people around us. I'll call them the ninjas uh, in our lives, uh, the, the professional or otherwise. You start talking about a business plan. Somebody will tell you it takes too long. Somebody will tell you it costs too much. Somebody will tell you uh, you'll never implement it. Don't bother. For not-for-profits, I'll suggest to you that for, for, uh, for, the, for the managing directors, the executive board, the, the, board of the, the, the board of directors, will dump all their ideas on you at an annual convention, expect you to go do something without giving you any more resources to, in fact, um, implement with. And so here's my answer. It doesn't take too long. How about is, is 10 hours, 10 hours to get your initial business plan done plus 30 minutes once a month and another 45 minutes once a quarter, but don't add in the 30 because that quarter is also a month. So it's just 45 minutes and annually an hour. Is that, a, is that too much time to invest in the future by getting conquering the chaos and getting focused and accountable on what has to happen? Is that too much time to spend to uh, lay out the future of your organization. And I'll suggest to you, it isn't. At Focus 31 last year, planning for 2018, it took me 25.4 minutes to do our annual business plan. Why? Because I keep it current all the time. 25.4 minutes, I kid you not. And ours is a very involved business plan. No more, no less involved or more involved than an offer profits would be. I think that's time worth investing in your organization well, Jane, and yeah we, we get that all the time you know i don't have time to do this so i say wait a minute <laughs> and in nonprofits we have a board of directors and theoretically those are important people and so i say you got time to bring all these important people together and waste their time and you got time to go back and do it over again um and, and you got time to waste money and spin your wheels 
Um, so really, it's it's about thinking about process. I'm a I was a, a musical conductor for 40 years, and we wouldn't dream stepping on a podium without a score. And your musical score is equivalent yeah. to your your well, and we have we have different documents. The Center Vision Business Plan is exactly what you said. It's a financial document for an investor or for a, a you know a, a grant. Um, strategy is how we're going to implement. So that's our that's our music. So we um, we're, we're constantly amazed that people don't have either. <laughs> and so that's a that's a real big and you know there are objections, which is a request for information. So we give them. We give them information and then there's excuses. So how many times do you run across those as excuses and people are so ingrained they don't want to change? Sorry, was that a question? Yeah, how, do you, oh, do you my find, apologies. Do you yeah. find that people use, use excuses? I mean, they're, they're usually an objection is something you can answer like a question, but an excuse, yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Well, I, and you know, the, I, the key to a successful not-for-profit is a clear joining of, of understanding between, and I'm going to use managing director as, as the typical uh, title of, of the operational leader uh, of a not-for-profit, and the board. And, and you said something interesting, Hugh, and I just want to touch on it first before I, before I answer this. You said that the business plan is for grants and for investors. That's, not, that's exactly the kind of plan that I think... Um, puts organizations in jeopardy uh, because they will cost 25,000. They will be 50 pages long. They'll be very colorful. They'll tell a wonderful story, but they don't give the managing director anything to do day in and day out to advance the organization. And so um, the, the planning process I was speaking with, with uh, earlier is an operational business plan. Sure. Take that five-year vision, uh, let's, uh, let's actually make it just three years because we want to be emotionally connected to the outcome we want to create and operationalize the ideas that the board has given us to move forward on. But the issue for the, um, with, with uh, implementing the business plan uh, from between the board and the managing director is the, the board has lots of ideas and the managing director has no additional resources. And they've got their not intentionally, but their head is like an ostrich buried in the sand, dealing with the day-to-day, -day, um, working in the not-for-profit, never on the not-for-profit. And where a decision is made to work on a business plan together as a board and a, and a, and a managing director, there has to be a strategic approach to it. We've got these great ideas. Let's get them tabled out. But then ask the question, now how do we help Jack or Susan implement this? What resources do we reasonably need or what, what can the board do by committee or whatever to take some of the workload off so the plan can in fact be implemented? Because if you change nothing, I don't believe it's because the managing director doesn't want to move the business forward. I believe they just can't without resources to get them out of the business and every single week spend a little bit of time working on the not-for-profit. That's a huge soundbite, Russ. Hey, Russ, are y'all you, are, are you hearing his, his vowels out? We hear, we hear the Canadian and that's a really distinctive. <laughs> a really Jeez, I, I thought you guys were distinctive. <laughs> we are. <laughs> we, you know, we say y'all, but there's a bunch of y'all. Yeah. say all y'all. <laughs> 
We spent a lot of time with our, our, our tribe educating people. We, we've developed our, in, in Cinevision, just to your point, what you do is brilliant. So um, but I want to clarify for people because we spent a lot of time clarifying strategy. You know, and what we have in Cinevision, what we call a solution map. And it's, it's, we, we do have it on one page. It's, we're not as efficient as you are. But we, we do summarize it on one page, and it's your roadmap for where you're going to go. So um, we do have, have people that write business plans which have no tactical part to them. Yours has the strategic part to it, which is, which is um, I want to dis- make a distinction that we're on the same page. Right. But, you know, yep. We get confused by words. That's why we did solution map, because basically sometimes nonprofit leaders think, oh, that's a business thing. I don't want to get there. It'll inhibit my creativity. And we say, no. <laughs> Your strategy is your container for creativity. Now you can fully be access that creativity. So we just we're on the same page. I just want to get yep. some terms out so people aren't confused and think we're we're, we're preaching out of two sides of our mouths. Now we create a roadmap to go forward, and that's what I hear you saying. In the most yeah, effectively, I, I like the idea of I like the idea of roadmap, um, a, a journey. Because if I want to get from Toronto to Denver. Uh, I'm going to take I'm going to take the highways because they're faster and and so uh, the vision statement in a business plan my our approach is the vision statement is defining the destination I want to get to Denver I want to get to Denver because I want to go skiing uh, and I want to experience the lifestyle of 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 the thin air and laughing more than I laugh now that's my destination three years from now um, the mission statement uh, defines the guardrails on those highways it keeps me true to running my business to say the, the way I said I would run my business, the way I'm committed and the way I communicate running my business to my clients. The objectives are the mile markers along the way. The signs that say I've gone, you know, I, I've got 4,222 miles to go until I get to Denver. And the next one, I've got 4,000 miles to go until I get to Denver. Objectives, the targets are the mile markers on that highway. The, the strategies define the infrastructure of that highway, the strength uh, to carry the business, um, and and uh, you know the smoother uh, the the highway is with less bumps, uh, the the faster and safer with with less hiccups we're going to be able to get to Denver by. And then the action plans are the decisions for braking and accelerating and steering that we do to implement getting us through those mile markers, measuring our success against the time it's taking us to get to Denver. So I, I thank you for, for uh, using you know, the, uh, the roadmap. We actually look at it as the journey in terms of how each part of the business plan is on the highway. Regardless of what our wives say, men do occasionally use maps. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's even scary if we actually stop and ask for directions. With yeah, just, Yes. Just not with just not with them in the car with us. So, but before I, I give Russell back the interview, I just hijacked from him. Um, um, talk a minute. We're talking around this, but but Center Vision is about equipping leaders, and what you're talking about is a leader making an effective decision to raise the, the whole capacity of the whole team. We uh, we talk about capacity building in nonprofits is you know generating the ability to do what you want to do in a more efficient way. So, so this is a, a very clear leadership choice is to, 
have somebody like you come in and work with me because I'm really good at what I do, but I'm not really good at creating the, the map. So speak about what's, what's the challenge you see of leadership and what's the benefit of a leader stepping up to this, this trough and, and doing this? Awareness. In one word, it is awareness. You have to be aware. The leader needs to be aware that something is broken uh, and then decide that they're in enough pain to care that something's broken and realize, have the, again, the awareness that where they want to get to isn't where it is now. And they're so stuck in the quicksand and drowning and with the wife ready to leave, uh, spouse ready to leave, excuse me, uh, and, and the kids not getting the attention they should get. I had a client just two weeks ago. He found me on, we, we found each other on LinkedIn. I sent him a copy of my downloadable version of my book. He operates a $20 million home renovation business. He started it from startup. Now, you can well imagine somebody from startup up to 25 million probably has had to make some really crazy decisions along the way because of the absence of knowledge on how to just move from zero to five million or five million to 10, but to go all the way to 25 million, man, his head's got to be hurting from hitting that glass ceiling so many times because he was guessing at what he should do next. And we had a 30-minute discussion about it all. He had the awareness it was broken. He had the awareness he was in pain. He gets into the hospital every two weeks with anxiety attacks because of cash flow, personnel issues, and he said, I had no idea somebody like you was out there that could be my virtual CEO and just plain give me somebody else to talk to to make me feel good about what I am doing, but kick me in the butt and get me moving on things that I don't know how to do properly. And you know, that's, you know, he came to the awareness. And, this, and by the way, I will share, it is a, I, I, please do not take this as a sexist comment, ladies. You are brilliant. Um, there, you're, you're nurturing your, your family responsibility. As business leaders, you will own the world because you accept far more readily than men do what's broken and understand you need resources around you. You've spent your life keeping family resources and, uh, uh, and networking resources close to you. And when you, go, when you are in business, you draw the right people in. Men have got the stupid hormone. And it's called testosterone, and it's the no hormone, and it's the I'm not in pain hormone, and it's the I'm fine just the way I am hormone, and it's the what nonsense hormone. And so men have got to, like, we're losing it. We're losing ground if we don't come to terms with the fact that we know what we know, and we may know a couple of other things. We have our core capabilities, but that's not enough to move a business or a not for, well, certainly a business from five to 25 million. You gotta get help to do that, especially if you wanna franchise like my client wants to do. Um, but not-for-profit, same thing. Like the women get it much better than we do that resources are needed to help support them being stronger. Um, the guys will spin and spin and spin and they'll finally get it. But imagine getting it sooner, how much more effective the not-for-profit could be. Well, you know, there's, uh, I, I think more women leaders in nonprofit circles would be helpful. But a lot of what you're talking about is just wiring. We guys are like, make a list, one, two, three, four, get it done, get it done, get it done, get it done. Whereas women 
kind of work around building relationships. They understand that relationships are valuable, whatever you're doing. And that's how they, you know, we do one thing at a time and we can't seem to focus on more than one thing at a time. And there's just that difference in style and, and uh, women in general are better listeners to you. Absolutely. So, you know, those are, those are, are really pluses in leadership. Good leaders listen, you know, but you know, there's a leader that, that we come across and, and uh, they're brilliant in every way male or female, but you, you run into some situations where people approach you and say, I, I need better results and start talking about some of the problems. And uh, they just don't connect the dots or, or there's some things within them that for some reason, they just don't seem to want to entertain change. How do you approach a leader that is uh, actually in his or her own way, so to speak, when they're lining out these problems? <laughs> it may be clear to you that there's something that they may or may not be doing, but how do you approach them when, uh, when they're laying things out and they don't actually see it? It, okay, so I'll just share that some of my other training that I don't often rely upon, but this just seems to fit so well because it came right in my head. I'm, I'm also uh, a master practitioner of neurolinguistic programming, hypnotherapy, timeline therapy, and, and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, there are, you know, in, in very general terms, there are two kinds of people, those that are in cause and those that are in effect. The people that are in effect are the ones that blame everything around them about why they can't be successful. Uh, people in cause go out and recognize they're responsible, they take action, they'll fix anything they want to fix. When I'm on stage, I, I don't speak in those terms. I talk about being a business warrior. You know, the difference between a warrior, and I'm not talking current day, I have all the respect for Canadian and U.S. military and the jobs soldiers have to do, but there's a difference between a soldier and a warrior in ancient uh, let's in Sung Tzu's kind of time frame. There's a big difference, um, and and I, I I talk in my seminars. What's the difference? And typically the answers are the warrior is leading. The warrior knows what the objective is and will give up nothing but to get to that objective, or frankly die trying. Uh, they are prepared to think through uh, moves necessary to get to the objective and be flexible. And and you know if you think about a warrior, they welcome barriers and challenges because every barrier they break down, will go over, go under, go round, or go straight on through, means they move that much closer to the objective. And put on, a, and they say, bring on another barrier, and I'll go over, go under, go round it, or go straight on through that one as well. And then they're ready for the next and the next. It's the, it's the passion for what you're doing, the passion for the journey or the objective at the end of the journey that is needed in business leaders to say, I don't give a rat's ass, quite frankly, about barriers. I want them because it means I'm growing and I am uh, improving and managing my business better and to a greater, uh, getting, giving it longevity and, and giving it a destination to get to. People in effect don't have the passion for change. They don't have the passion for barriers. They, they're squeamish at barriers. They want somebody else to break it down, uh, to answer how I do this, give them all the answers. And I, I, these, are, these are employment decisions that have to be carefully considered 
because in, you know, involuntarily your, your team can come to a grinding halt uh, if you haven't got the passion at the top of the house to just say, give me anything, put anything you want in front of me. You know, the Washington Capitals, holy cow, who would have, and, and quite frankly, the Vegas Knights, uh, Golden Knights, like who would have expected those teams to play in the, in, in the National Hockey League Stanley Cup, leaving all the Canadian teams again completely out of the ball game, oh, sorry, changing sports there. But, you know, what did they do? They said, come hell or high water, they are going to win. And they did. And they came back against incredible odds. It was an amazing series of games. And Washington played brilliantly as if their lives depended upon it. When we take that approach in business, nothing can stop us. And that is it. So it really starts with us. And it's knowing that we can do it. And, and making why and what so important that nothing stop us. And, and one of the things that the foundation of a lot of the workshops that we do is Hugh's uh, leader, uh, Transformational Leader Accelerator, which was something Brilliant. that built, is the foundation of the work that we do. And transformational leaders do all of those things that you're talking about. They're so focused on the prize, they're just going to get in there. But the thing is, they know that they don't have to do everything themselves and they build exceptional teams around them to, to lift themselves up. And that's a really key feature. There are, there are a lot of leaders that sometimes get in their own way. They're not taking advantage of all the brilliance that are, uh, that are around them. And uh, it, it blocks their productivity and, and everything that they do. Um, so a lot rests with the leaders, and that's why that emphasis is there with all of the leaders coming together and, and driving that common vision, but yeah. getting the people around them the tools that they need to grow. And it's all about growing. To do more, we have to become more. It's really kind of simple uh, mathematics. And, and a lot of people get stuck. And uh, stuck is a very common word, but stuck means different things to different people. Uh, and so that could be around productivity. It could be around where you are. How would you define uh, uh, stuck? And what are some of the most common ways that you see that show up with the not-for-profit and, and even the business leaders that you work with? Uh, yeah, uh, again, another terrific question. Um, how best to answer it? Um, the what I, I I sat on the uh, on our local uh, chamber of commerce board for a number of years, a number of years, and I was the uh, committee head of our business our, our business excellence award, which was the most powerful evening of fundraising uh, that uh, that the chamber had, and so I have the experience of being on the inside as well as on the outside looking in. And the, the, the biggest stuck that I think I, that I, the, the best way of putting it is I can't, it's too big to change. There isn't enough money to change it. And I don't have, and the organization doesn't have enough time uh, to, to make the changes, nor the innovation of ideas in its circle of influence 
So why bother? I've got a job. I'll be in this job. I love, I love the, the constituents that I serve. I love them. And I will love whoever we can pull in here and attract, and I'll take as much money as I can. But I just don't see how to change, and therefore I don't understand why I should change. Well, that yeah, that's quite a place to be. You know, a lot of people are in that. And I, that sort of thought process come to mind because I've been involved with organizations. I was uh, uh, in one of my old jobs with the Roostic Band of Micmacs. We, we work with uh, the communities around us. And so I was on some regional planning boards, which covered the whole northern half of the state. Uh, and people would sit down and, you know, you, you get these type of efforts that, that it, as groups and as individual organizations alone, oh, we've got another uh, planning process or we're going to do a visioning. And, you know, half the, the eyeballs in the room roll up in the people's heads. Oh, here we go again. We did this three years ago and nothing changed, you know, and. Uh, so why do you think that nonprofits and other organizations that take the time to do these plans struggle to implement them? Um, <laughs> really good. Um, the, I, I've, sorry, I'm just collecting my thoughts on it. Um, I, I, the, the challenge every organization faces and, and I'm, I'm, this, this goes from startup to multinationals and includes every organization that, that imaginable. They, the, the planning process becomes a brain dump. So I'm sure you know, many of your listeners annually have a, have, a, have a gathering of the minds. Call it what you will, convention, planning session, strategic meeting, whatever you want. And... Anybody in the circle of influence is welcome to come in and they plop. And I, I use the word plop because it's exactly the sound these ideas make is a plopping sound on the board table because there's just nothing that's going to go with it, right? Uh, everybody brain dumps, plops it down, and it, they leave and it's the, 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 the director's responsibility, the, the managing director's responsibility to take a scraper, just pull all that plop off the table and figure out now what do I do with it? There's some great ideas in here. Boy, I wish I knew how to go about doing them. I wonder who's going to help me get the resources so I can actually dedicate. Heck, just an hour a week would get some of this going forward, but I don't know where that hour is coming from. We've got to look at business planning as a strategy unto itself. Don't start with it as a tactic. We need a business plan. I heard James Burgess speak uh, on this podcast, and he said, everybody should have a business plan. He said, it's easy and fast. Okay, but even the fast and easy plan that sits on, a web, uh, on, a, on, a, on the internet, in the cloud, or on a piece of paper, that, or in the credenza as a 25-page document that doesn't get enacted, is a complete, as you said, complete and total waste of time, energy, and resources. Don't do it. Save the money, invest it in your uh, constituents, and give them the money for the programs that you have rather than invest in a business plan. When you think about it strategically, then you talk not just about having the plan, but what are we going to do about it, and how do we make sure it stays alive? And that's where my program of weekly, weekly 
holding my clients accountable to do the work necessary by giving them that higher level of responsibility to plan out their week, knowing that I'm watching what they're going to be planning out to do and giving them weekly feedback to it, elevates the responsibility to actually do it so that we have something to celebrate the next week far more powerful and work starts to get done. A three-year vision is nothing more than 156 weeks of a little bit of work on the business. Yeah, and this is. But if it's just a brain dump and a plop, hey, great ideas. Who's doing something with it? Is that committee going to do it? Is that committee going to do it? Is that no? Well, committees don't do work. What the heck are you talking about, Jack? Right? It's all on you, dude. No, yeah. you can't. You can't take that approach. It's a. It's the team starts with the chairman of the board and goes down to the the the, the volunteers, quite frankly, and you got to link them all together. And when you don't, then your organization will will begin to create this perspective, and you've heard this all in corporate and probably even not-for-profit, that the CEO says something or the senior executive and the staff say, oh, don't worry about that. Wait 30 days. It'll go away. It'll change. It won't matter, right? And we, we as leaders create that environment of employees just saying, yeah, that's not going to last. They'll stop being focused with the next knee-jerk reaction. You, you can't do that. You've got to have the strategy and the intensity to stay on the important decisions that you're making. And at, at Cinevision, we lay out a roadmap that really empowers the leaders to do just that and to create uh, responsibilities and accountabilities where everybody inputs to the plan and takes some ownership in it. Right. And I would say that with these plans, even in the common situation, when somebody says, okay, things are not really going very well. <clears throat> it takes some courage to step up and say, we need to do something different. This is not working well. It takes courage to do that. But going from that to actually getting a working plan that's implemented, spread, and shared is another matter. So that's what the Wayfinder process that we use at Cinevision yep. is, cool. is designed to to eliminate and to help with and so that's very important there there are very powerful organizations out there uh, that have been quoted by a ton of speakers from the stage uh motivational speakers that say the where you where in within the organization's decisions are based on uh not on no it can't be done but rather how will it be done we may not have the answer today, but let's ask the first question. What would be our next first step if we think this is important and start to work at things that way rather than saying no? Well, mm -hmm. yes, because this is important. So what's our first next step? And then the first next step after that. And the, then you really start to create incredible momentum mm -hmm. and, and momentum in the, the staff, momentum in the leadership team. Uh, and lo and behold, you know, these are companies that are blowing the roof off of financial results and the Dow Jones recognizes their success. Huh, big surprise, right? You've got to move away from the no and move into the yes, but how? Yes, and it's the possibility thinking when you build that around. And, and uh, I like to term myself to be a possibility engineer and I keep asking questions and a lot of people get stuck in thinking, well, it's always been this way or we can't really change it. And a good question to ask is, okay, if I believe that what it is that I want to try to do is possible, what's the next thing I would do? 
at this very instance. Exactly. Keeping that type of, of, of thought process flowing. And it really, is, it's an internal job. And I think there are a lot of things internally, which is why uh, uh, the, the uh, transformational leader accelerator is so important because the more of these principles that are incorporated to open the leader's thinking uh, is something the leader passes on to the team. And so it's getting into that possibility thinking. Uh, people that think they're enlightened, even think they're enlightened enough to create a plan, have a knowledge inside them somewhere that they've got enough brilliance on their team to come up with something. And there's lots of brilliance under that roof. And if somebody's been sitting there for years and they've made suggestion after suggestion, nothing was done with it or they weren't encouraged uh, on the process, they just start to say, well, I'm just going to sit back here, relax, and get my paycheck, hope it doesn't bounce. And my, and my bagel and cream cheese. Yeah, no, exactly. Yep. Got to get my bagel and cream cheese with my coffee in the morning. Mm -hmm. And so productivity suffers, you know, all sorts of things suffer and, and chaos ensues. And uh, so with, in your experience, what are some of the signs that chaos is crippling the nonprofits and what they're doing? Uh, I think the, well, the, the, the very first and obvious one is contributions, revenue, aren't growing. Um, if you're, um, if you're uh, an orchestra um, and, or a, a not-for-profit supporting a, an orchestra and, and shows of some sort or a theater, uh, revenue, you know, the first sign that things are broken is you set financial goals, you apply a marketing plan, and it's moving in the wrong direction or it's simply stagnating. That's a first indication that something's wrong. The next one, and I certainly see this in large organizations, is a revolving door on employees. Um, you know, uh, I, I have had a client say to me, I don't understand. Um, the longest standing employee I have is, uh, yes, is, is, is 25 years, but she's 65 and retiring next year, and she's always been just an administrator. All my key people, uh, are under 18 months employed with me. I, I don't know, you know, what's their problem? And I said, well, hang on a second. You, see, you, you just went into effect, dude. You're not in cause. Uh, in effect says it's their problem. In cause, you say, no, uh, you're the one who thought you needed the role. You're the one that, oh, wait, didn't define a job description for them. You're the one who posted a job for them but didn't consider uh, the attributes or, or the the skills needed for the job. You just simply went out and, you know, out in the street and shook somebody's hand and brought them in. You didn't have an orientation program. You didn't pay the market rate. You haven't supported them. You haven't coached them. You haven't, uh, whose fault is this again? Help me understand. Um, so that's, you know, that, those are two areas, certainly revenue and employee satisfaction. Uh, the third one will always be customer satisfaction. If you're not, if you're not surveying your customers or your, 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 uh, uh, the, the, the people you serve, then you have no idea whether or not you're gaining more or you're losing them, whether they're satisfied or not. Um, and there, I think there, there are good ways to survey and bad ways to survey. I'd be happy to talk to any of your, uh, anybody listening about what I think are uh, the right way to survey. Um, but you need to have an understanding about, you know, where your customers are at because um, 
customers don't drive revenue. Employee satisfaction drives revenue. Sorry, employee satisfaction drives customer satisfaction, drives revenue. And all three have to be going. One, the other will only be in sync when the other two are completely aligned with each other. Um, and when you don't understand that connection um, and, and, act, and, and, and innovatively working at strategies to employ, to improve employee um, satisfaction uh, and, and understanding the customer and making sure that how your employees are improving is fitting with what the customers are, want from them, mm -hmm. as well as you know, typically we just look at services and, and our product but let's look at who's delivering it and how they deliver it, get that linkage between employee and client, and then our revenues will improve. Jane, that? Yep. that is so key. Um, uh, that is so key. We have, um, our customers are donors. Uh, sometimes there people come to our events, the orchestra, there are constituents that pay for tickets and attend concerts, so that that's a big, big piece. Um, I'm going to um, give you a chance to have a last word in this interview. Uh, Russell's done just a great job of grilling you, but he hadn't really given <laughs> you the really hard questions. I'm, I was hoping he would stump you with something really tough, make you sweat. But you're, you're so, you're, you're, not only are you a master of your content, but you're really good at the analogies and teaching people about the concepts. And I find that to be extremely helpful. Um, I'm going to, we have sponsors that help us uh, support the work of these podcasts and our magazine and uh, our um, acquisitions editor is um, watching you and she's going to be pinging me to see if you want to do an article about this for our uh, next edition. Um, we, we don't use dates on these podcasts because people might be listening to it sometime <laughs> two years from now and this is really timeless content. So um, you're going to have an offer about your chaos book and some other things and I'm going to give you the last last few minutes. So I'm going to do the Great. Do the sponsor piece now and then throw it to you. And then, then um, Russell will sign us off for this interview. We try to keep them under an hour because uh, we can bore people a lot in, in an hour and over, over an hour. <laughs> you know, we can go over, overboard. But I think there's, um, I've been thinking and making notes for myself. This is um, really useful stuff. So thank you for being here. We have um, a, a bevy of, that's a word we use in the South. We have a lot of really good sponsors that we use ourselves and we recommend to others. And the sponsor for today is Word Sprint, S-P-R-I-N-T, wordsprint.com. Bill Gilmer and his team are masters at being in touch with your tribe. Our donors donate and continue to donate because we let them know what's happened with their money. So Bill and his team have done research for decades and they have patterns to show if you do the right message to the right person in the right rhythm on a consistent basis, your donors will stay committed. That works for business customers too. If people um, feel like that you care about them and you stay in touch, they're going to be more inclined to want to know what, what you're about, what you're doing, and how can they benefit. So our donors want to know that there's something that's substantial going on with their donation. They want to hear from you more than at the end of the year when you're asking for the next year's donation. So it's about this relationship building. It's about have we got a strategy? Have we fulfilled it? So the, the pieces that you're talking about today, um, I believe are key components for employee and volunteer and board engagement. People know what to do and when to do it. 
So wordsprint.com, go and get a free quote. Go to their website and let them teach you about how to stay in touch with your tribe. Um, Bill Gilmer has a mailing company with a very high class print shop with copywriters, custom designers, so you really look good. Wordsprint.com, they print our magazine, they do our mailings, they are the best in the business. So we do recommend them. So we're gonna give you the last, you know, what's your offer for people? You have some, you're gracious, gonna give us this chaos book. And um, then what's the closing tip before, before Russell closes this off? Sure. Oh, thank you. So, again, thank you so much for including me uh, in this podcast. Uh, you know, in my enthusiasm, I regrettably tend to speak very negatively about what's wrong. The good news is that the resources I had for you today, because I couldn't speak long enough about what those, what the resources are to resolve the issues, I have them all for you. Uh, my book, Chaos, How Business Leaders Can Master the Power of Focus. I want to offer all of you a free downloadable version. Mm. Uh, you can get it at, and now you please get a pen and paper out. The website is chaosthepowerofocus.com. It's free. It's not a free registration. The book is free, to be clear. chaosthepowerofocus.com. In this book, I give you all the answers about how to do a business plan fast and easily. We talked a bit about, there was a, one of the confusions within not-for-profits, the power of delegation. There's a whole chapter on delegation. There's a chapter on mindset, measurement, uh, accountability, and chapter eight is the powerful one. It's a workbook style. Mark it up um, and uh, make the most use of it. Uh, you can send me an email at james at focus31.com. Again, james at focus31.com. That's the number, 31.com, as in 31 days of the month. So james at focus31.com. I'll even send you a workbook that you can use along with the book to create your business plan easily, fast, so that it's uh, sustainable and entirely relevant because it is easy, fast, and sustainable entirely relevant to your organization. Better yet, we have a home study program. It is completely free. I give everything I can for free when it comes to business planning. You can go to our website uh, and, down, and, and register for, and again, it's not a free registration like you sometimes see, the program is free. And what we do is we have a home study program. It's seven modules. And uh, it's delivered by way of 15 emails over a time sequence to give you time to work on each component of your business plan, along with some additional resources that will enable your success. If you'd like to get that program, it's called Focus Yourself. You can get it at focus31.com forward slash focus hyphen system forward slash free hyphen business hyphen plan. I apologize. I didn't have time to set up a tiny URL for this call. I should have. So I'll say it again. Focus31.com forward slash focus hyphen systems with an S forward slash free hyphen business hyphen plan. You go there, you get, you can register for focus yourself and we'll immediately start sending the content to you. Well, James, good news is we'll put this in the notes for the podcast. Fantastic. On the video that people are watching, we will post it in the replay for them. So you got about two minutes. Your okay. closing wish or challenge or tip for people. This is so easy. And I say this all the time. Get it down. 
then get it right. The typical reason business plans never get done is because you're looking to create the perfect plan. It doesn't exist. Even with my help, the perfect plan will never exist because you will learn tomorrow and you will learn again more about what to do tomorrow after that and after that. So get it down, get it underway, and with each learning, improve upon it by making it the leading document that describes where you're going and how you're going to get there. And then I rely on the, uh, uh, the most powerful management consultant, not just the world has ever known, but the universe has ever known. And in his words, no, there is no try. There is do or do not. And you'll recognize that as being Yoda from Star Wars 5. Stop trying. Remove try from your vocabulary. It's a message to your unconscious mind that it's okay to fail and to justify it away. Do it or don't do it. Make the choice. Not doing it is just fine. As Tony Robbins says, that's a decision unto itself. I'd like to see everybody do it. Register for the book, register for a home study program, but do things, don't try to do things, and get your kids to stop using that stupid word because it is just so self-defeating. I love you all. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, Russ, over to you, buddy. And thank you so much for uh, meeting me on LinkedIn. It's been a tremendous pleasure. Well, man, thank you again, James. Thank you very much for coming and tithing with us because uh, it's uh, we tithe our time, talent, and treasure. That's what nonprofit leaders do. We don't have to do this by ourselves. There are people out here to help us do it. Uh, I know that you're brilliant. There's, there's, there's thinking. We are in alignment on both sides of the border on this type of thinking. And once again, thank you to all you nonprofit leaders who are out there on the front line making a difference every day. This is Russell Dennis and Hugh Ballou thanking James Burgess again. Uh, signing off for now. Uh, go do it, and you don't have to do it alone. Thank you again. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.